0: This is a place for storytellers. A place where thoughts, dreams, and ideas come to life. Join me on my journey to unearth the real stories behind real people. No labels. They're just humans. Hello, everyone, and thank you for coming back and listening this week. So I want to thank you for your patience as I got readjusted to this season. In the last month, episodes have been released every other week, and that's because I chose to take a spur the moment Disney trip right before school began and chose happiness and awe over anything else, really. So if you have kids, you know that they are only little for a little while. So I chose to make the memories. If I had, if this scenario had taken place, say, two years ago, I probably would have considered myself a failure. Like I set a goal and I didn't reach it perfectly. So I started a podcast. I want to put an episode out every week, every Monday. But if I missed a week... Instead of forgiving myself and just giving myself a little bit of grace, I would have felt like a failure and I probably would have hung my head and walked away because I didn't do it perfectly. Well, that's not how growth works. Growth never happens without nourishment. So you need to take care of whatever it is that you're doing. And if you take enough care, whatever that means, there might be setbacks. But just giving the loving care that it needs, it will grow. So me taking a couple weeks off here and there to spend time with my family and what brings me joy before the chaos starts with school and sports and all those things, um, that's okay with me now. And I'm back because my microphone didn't go anywhere and neither did Zoom. So that's that. So let's just hop into the episode, and this week my guest is Tim Cronin, and we will discuss how we are connected, which is strange, like most of my life. Anyway, enjoy everyone. Hello.
1: Howdy. How you been?
0: Good. How are you?
1: Good. Very busy, but very good. We, I um, have a bunch of uh, co-workers coming over tonight. For the first time since I started at ESPN. They're all folks that uh, report directly to me. So I'm trying to just get them all together for a little team building. We're making a little Nashville hot chicken sandwich. Ooh. Uh, oh, yeah. I make. I don't want to toot my own horn, but uh, I make a pretty good one. Go ahead. About you can time.
0: toot your own horn. Wait, why? Yeah. so why is it that you know how to make that? Or do you just <clears throat> know how to cook a lot of things in general?
1: Uh, I like to cook. I like to cook a lot. So... But that's one, one of, of your, like, Many things in my... Yeah, I had one. So, <clears throat> four years ago. Uh, so, I used to do a lot of the work with the on-air folks for ESPN. Mm-hmm. And I met um, a woman named Stephanie Bell out in uh, West Hartford at Cooking the Bear, which is, uh, if you... I don't think it's open now. So, I don't know if you would have ever been to it. But no, um, I don't get out the much. Bear... Yeah, the Bear uh, is a a Southern barbecue chef that has since relocated up this way. Um, started a couple of ventures. He made uh, the cook and the bear was a joint venture. They did as a result of uh, one of the restaurants that would feature him weekly selling out every time they had their, they had him on the menu. So like, Oh, let's get together and start our own little restaurant. But when I went with her, she knew him really well and got to try all like the off menu stuff in the Nashville hot sandwich was it was like as the hot chicken sandwich that like everybody makes now was kind of on the rise uh it was amazing it was so I was like all right I gotta figure out how to make this because it was the only place I could find it because they closed and not open anymore um now a lot of places make them um it's like a I'm a process guy right like part of the ADHD in the and what I'm assuming is where my son gets his actual OCD is I love a good process. And that's kind of what this is like, it's, it's done in like peanut oil instead of like any other kind of oil. Uh, The seasonings can depending on the recipe are added into the flour mix. And then the the downside is they're not very healthy for you at all because you cook it, you fry it in the peanut oil. And then when you're done, you mix like the spice in the oil, like in a cup of oil, and then the oil goes on top of the on top of the chicken as a dessert and then it's topped with like uh bread and like i use the um uh, th- they don't call them spicy but uh the zesty bread and butter pickles that are like a little sweet little spice to go on top of it mm-hmm. a little uh little aioli
0: sweet Hot well, chicken sandwich
1: yeah you got to put it on your bucket list if you haven't tried it already a bu- okay not- i don't know
0: if it should be on my bucket list that's like a to do thing
1: uh, a, a like, really good one is, is bucket really list hard to is pat. like Everest ah that's I mean your bucket just list see can have it. no I
0: just want to see it in person I don't want
1: to yeah your bucket list can have levels right sure. attainable <laughs> and then like the dream side Okay, food, I bucket, like that. Li- food bucket lists okay. right? I food like bucket that. lists can be different like a good steak in New York should be on everybody's list Um, which like steak ha- uh, was it the strip house in New York has some fantastic pepper crusted dry-aged steak that should be on like your food bucket list. I think
0: you need a p- food podcast.
1: Uh, <laughs> maybe. I, I, th- uh, maybe. Maybe. I don't, th- or, I don't uh, know if I'm that much of a foodie. Cause I, I, you know, I don't travel much. So I bring the food to me and I learn how to make it like at home, but, uh, I yeah, I have you in New your, York. You're selling times. yourself
0: already. <laughs> um, <laughs> Okay, so I should probably introduce you. I mean, you can introduce Mm. yourself too, but um, I've mentioned many times on this podcast that I have a strange life, and you're (laughs) a little, like, proof of that. Mm. So, um, I don't even know where to start with this. Okay, so a few months ago, it was in, what, like, April, the end of April or June, Probably June. I just skipped a month. I just went from April to June. Like there's yeah, May. It's... There's May in there. <laughs> anyway. COVID. <it> was a... <laughs> COVID has
1: ruined time frames and timelines for everybody. And everyone just make brains. it up now. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um okay. So um we're at I'm at a end of the baseball season like ice cream party. And it was mm-hmm. all of Little League there. And I keep seeing this girl and I'm like, I know her. But I don't I cannot place her for the life of me like but I know her I should be like going up and talking to her I that's how much I recognized her Mm -hmm. so then I'm like holy shit (laughs) I know her because I photographed her wedding that's right. So, <laughs> it was your wife that I saw, yeah. Kyle. Yeah, yeah. And um, anyway, so here we are. Well, not here we are. But uh, so I sent a, you a message on Instagram. And I'm like, hey, totally just saw Kyle at the Little League party. Um, what's, do you live here? And then, mm. um, yeah, you live like a mile or two away from me, probably. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. Um, we live in the same town. I photographed your wedding back in, mm-hmm. I don't even know what year it was. And we li- I lived in Maine. You were, I don't even know where you were living, but your wedding was in Massachusetts. And now we live in the same town. And then one of my close friends is a photographer and she photographed her family. I was just like, what is going on?
1: <laughs> it's yeah, just yeah. bonkers. We, um... It's
0: just very odd. I mean, out of all the towns and all the places you could be, and we live a couple miles from each other.
1: Yeah. A tiny little town in Connecticut. It's, uh, it's taken a very roundabout way. Uh, what's funny is when you sent that message, like, Hey, I just saw you. And I was like, holy shit. I I recognize the name, but I can't place where I know this woman from. I'm (laughs) like, I don't, how do I, and I, uh, I'm looking through, I'm like, she looks so familiar. I can't figure this out. And I went, I went to Kyle. I'm like, Hey, so I just got a message (laughs) and I can't figure out who this person is. Like we're, we're, we're very open. So I was like, "I, I can't figure out who this person is. She's like, uh, I can't either. Let me see. So I show it to her. And she's looking through. She's like, yeah, I can't figure this out either. I'm like, yeah, me neither. I don't know. Uh, But anyway, and then it like clicked. We were like eating dinner or something like three days later. And she's like, oh, I know Liz. That was our wedding photographer. And then it. Yeah.
0: Well, I should (laughs) have. Yeah, I should have probably put that in the message. Hey, remember me? I photographed your wedding. I just assumed I was like, I'm the dumb one. Like I'm the one that couldn't place them. here you guys are like i don't know who that is that's, no, that's what i was
1: like oh my god i should know her like we i I should know you and then uh because i think i looked and we had some like mutual friends i think um uh, yeah the photographer down here yeah my wife knows her through my wife helped out at like the little organic shop downtown helping like paint some of their stuff for a little while
0: oh yeah yeah, yeah nice that's yeah. how i knew her okay so introduce yourself just Tell people yeah. what you do. I mean, you mentioned that you worked at ESPN, but that's not all you do.
1: Yeah. I'm uh, Tim Cronin. Uh, I am a product of military upbringing, moving around a million different places. Uh, so i got a pretty unique... Well, I guess not unique for a lot of kids my age where, where my position would run a lot, but um, I now work for Disney. I oversee our media engineering and broadcast, uh, we call it a support center. So all of the production, media engineering, and broadcast functions run through us. Uh, We help maintain, coordinate, troubleshoot. When things break, if you're ever watching any of the Disney-owned products, ESPN, ABC, Hulu, Disney Plus, and something malfunctions, whether it's audio, video, whatever, uh, if it's longer than like five seconds our team is uh aware of it and already trying to determine what happened and or fix it so wait it's pretty why would
0: that happen like give me a scenario where that ha- if i'm just like watching something if i if i'm on disney plus and i click on moana and i'm watching moana and all of a sudden the audio like cuts out
1: like, like if there's if there's no audio so like
0: but wouldn't that be like ha- on my end
1: well, so it, it depends. That's where we come into play. It depends on it doesn't happen as often with like Disney Plus. We would get we would be brought in if you hit the play button and like nothing happened. Right. Yeah. Like if you hit play and the media was unavailable or something wasn't working right, we would get there. But if you were watching, let's say, football season's coming up, if you're watching uh uh like a college football game or, or an NFL game and you're watching it and you're not hearing any audio. You're not hearing any commentators, or it like jumps to black for like five seconds. Any one of those scenarios, we're engaged in, in trying to figure out what's going on. So mm-hmm. I'm responsible for um, part of the team for Sunday through Wednesday, the full 24 hour cycle. So no matter when you're watching it throughout the day, if something breaks, I'm usually involved with trying to get it fixed. So
0: gotcha. So it's it's live stuff, really
1: uh yeah i mean it's it's live stuff it's it's even like pre-recorded like if if there's uh something that's being shown on espn or like abc for example that was pre-recorded and it's malfunctioning we're still trying to figure out what it is behind the scenes that's causing it to malfunction so if it's anything broadcast or production related if it's an issue with the actual production from the facility where it's being made all that stuff mm-hmm. if a studio if a studio is having issues that reach out to us if and then any of the things behind the scenes like if you're having issues moving content from whatever platform you're building it out to to where it needs to go to hit distribution all of it if it's if it is involving anything to do with broadcaster production our team's responsible for all of the uh the support for it and that's the team that i oversee
0: wow it's a yeah. lot
1: Yeah, and now with the uh, intro of a, I'm 39 years old, uh, September 28th, my wife is... In case anyone uh,
0: was wondering.
1: Yeah, my wife is 39 years old and will turn 40 January 27th. And March 2nd, we will be welcoming our second child. So, 40. (laughs) uh, A little girl. So, I'm joining the the hashtag girl dad club uh we're very excited for it yeah, 40 seems cool. like a weird time to hit that reset button but um
0: have you seen the movie this is 40
1: mm-hmm. it was just on the other day
0: it, oh. was, tough. Oh. <laughs> it was tough hey listen it was, it was tough you guys are gonna be great if you need me yeah. i'll be here
1: all right deal. but i yes and it... <laughs> I'm, like, I'm a night owl anyway like i
0: it's good it seems like you guys had that balance
1: Yeah. She is like uh, eight, nine o'clock. I'm starting to get ready for bed and she's in bed. I'm like, okay, well, nine o'clock is when I finally have like me time. I spent all day talking to people. Nine o'clock, you know, our son's in bed. We've caught up on our day. If we want to sit down and watch a movie or relax or just veg out. I don't care if it's staring at my phone. I'd like just a little bit of time to not communicate with anybody. Yeah, you need to decompress. yeah so i mine usually comes in the form of like evenings and I'll, I'll watch movies or you know one of the ways I stay connected with my buddies from high school is uh we're all children and we all still hop on like xbox together and just grab a couple of beers and shoot the shit for a few hours. that's uh, so fun
0: you're not children you're just you oh, yeah. doing what makes you happy as an adult
1: we're we're grown ups with uh with grown- up toys. it's great yeah have you seen the uh like one of the sound bites that that goes around? uh Instagram every so often is like uh could you imagine if we had these we were when we were kids and it's like no it's even better now because we have them and we're forty. Right. And that's kinda like where we're at. We're like, oh I like look at all the crap I have behind me here. This is all <laughs> stuff I've collected over I got skateboard decks and got this crazy lightsaber I got from lucas films like back behind there from like from it's
0: actual there. okay tell the story about the lightsaber. Well, These the are things people just light- glaze over and I'm like, no, tell me. Well, it's
1: not, so it's not that exciting. The story is, and I just helped them out with a project and they heard I had a son who was really into Star Wars at the time. Wait,
0: you helped who out with a project? George Lucas. <laughs> Look at that thing.
1: <laughs> yeah. This thing is legit.
0: Okay. Sorry. So you helped out George Lucas?
1: No, no. no, no, no. Oh, Lucas, I thought, oh, it even uh, makes a sound.
0: Okay.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. The thing's bananas. My son beats the hell out of me with it. It's great. Mm-hmm. Um, no, uh, the the actual like film company. So Lucas Films is like Pixar. Sure, right? they're a, huge. It's the, a huge franchise, Gigantor. and it was just helping them out with uh, a couple issues that they had had technical wise. It took you know a couple weeks to kind of sort out. And when they were done, they were like, "Hey, we heard your son is uh, is big into Star Wars. What's your address? Do you want to send you something." And it's not. I mean. You could probably buy that online for I don't know, three, four hundred dollars. So it's 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 an expensive toy, but it's not like a movie replica that but like you still, keep it. Still
0: there's a story behind it. It's not like, Oh yeah, I went I I got in at Hollywood Studios <laughs> to be able to build my own lightsaber. It's like no, yeah. this actually came from people yeah. that spent time doing this, like for a living. Yeah.
1: I take a lot of that for granted too. Like if I look you know, I'm looking behind me at some of the knickknacks and stuff I have on the wall. Like there's a I have a signed Xbox like FIFA uh game that I got from one of the his name's Fernando. Uh he works on the Deportes side, which is the international side of ESPN.
0: Yeah, he's uh, my neighbor. He, goes,
1: he is That is amazing. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's the he announcer. That. He
0: is the, he's the announcer. For... yeah
1: he's in that he's yeah. in that game they put him in that game oh, was one okay. of the announcers so he like signed the front of it for me and everything and then uh you know the helmet that's in front of it the helmet is really cool so uh when i first bought my house so i'm, I'm not very i'm not wanting to get like starstruck so mm. people used to come down me and either. sit and hang out with us because we weren't like gawking over them and we weren't you know oftentimes i wouldn't even ask him about Sports because they literally talk about it all day. Right. And uh, this little helmet was sitting on a desk in front of me. And Teddy Bruski was sitting with us. He'd come down and eat his lunch and just sit it, sit with us and talk nonsense or sometimes talk sports. And he's like, Hey, what's this helmet? And uh, I was like, Oh, you know, I had helped with a, a project up on the uh, communication side. So they brought this down and he's like, Oh, that's pretty cool. And I see him holding it. He's like, You got a marker? I'm like, Yeah. And he took it out and he signed the top of it. And then when they found out, I was like, Oh, I'm gonna put this in my office in our new house that we're closing on. He's like, Oh no shit. We started having the entire cast of NFL Live sign it. So I have like Jack Del Rio, Suji Colbert, Diana Rossini, Phil Yates, Matt Barry. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. That's like this so this fun. is the kind of yeah, it's the kind of stuff I take for granted. Like Adam Schefter has signed like his book for me, like all that kind of stuff. I'm like, oh, it's just just stuff, but
0: but it's not forget. It's again. It has story behind it, and that is super cool. That's why people have things like Mm. you put like downstairs is (laughs) I have my Lego room, so Uh I would have (laughs) I would have a whole Lego city behind me.
1: Are you like Will Ferrell from uh, from the Lego? I'm
0: trying to get to that point.
1: Too bad we uh, we weren't talking before this because I had an in uh, my colleague that I had uh, helped hire to help me out with the uh, new. Job function we were starting when I first started ESPN left and went to Lego Mm. and there's a secret room in there where they call it like the scratch and dent room or something like that where you could go in and you get things at like eighty percent off Uh, and fifty percent off. Don't tell me that stuff. I have a box in my closet upstairs that I haven't figured out what to do with. So Brady, my son has uh, like actual diagnosed OCD and ADHD and is like me his the things that he's into change very quickly but once he changes he's literally all into it uh and he's at the age now where where it's kind of mellowing out a little bit and he's finding things that he likes long term like spider-man is something that's been consistent since he was a kid star wars is one that kind of comes and goes um but it's kind of always there in the background Mm -hmm. um so when he was leaving i actually got him a job back at disney so when he was leaving lego Loaded up on a bunch of stuff before, wow. and little by little, I give it to my son, like birthdays and different holidays and things like that. We'll uh, we'll slide him one, and the Millennium Falcon is sitting in the closet upstairs.
0: That's so fun and very smart that you you stowed those away and are giving yeah. to him over time. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. He yeah,
1: he, he very much goes all in. He goes over the deep end. Mm. Like, I I got him a Funko Pop, and now it's like that's all he that. thinks about.
0: Okay, I was just going to ask about the Funko Pop, because I don't know... So, because I'm into the Lego community, mm-hmm. a lot of people are also into Funko Pop, but I don't really know anything about yeah. them. So, what is the deal with Funko Pop?
1: So, Funko Pop, they're just like little collector's items, so little figures. They're, they're... See behind me?
0: I do. I see them. But do you put them together? They just come in the box like that?
1: No, they just come in the box. That's they're all
0: numbered.
1: <laughs> yeah, it is. They're just meant to, like... to. I mean, my son's like, I have, I just want to put him on the shelf in my room. So right. he's got uh, Shang-Chi. He got, uh, who else does he have up there? The Black Panther. I, I love the characters that he kind of latches on to because, as you know, where we live, uh, it's not a very diverse area in any capacity, but the superheroes he tends to latch on are like super diverse like his favorite character is miles morales if if nobody knows what that is it's um you have spider-man and then uh you know one of the characters that was an offshoot of that is uh, a little black kid from new york miles morales who becomes uh another version of spider-man and the black panther it's another one of his big uh his big favorites and then shang chi which is the chinese superhero uh, from the movie that just came out recently so he loves those Like he has a, he runs around with a miles morales costume he's got black panther costumes i mean he has like the regular spider-man ones too but his favorite characters are some of these really diverse characters which is really cool to see because that's, cause that's super not uh cool. yeah it doesn't but i all have to often.
0: disagree with you i feel like we do live in a diverse area
1: so my wife is one of the uh, paras at the elementary school. Right. Um, and we kind of get to see firsthand, unfortunately, how not diverse it is just because the her, part of her program is to uh, help with, uh, it's a choice school. So there's a lottery that happens in Hartford. Right. And those students can come or have the opportunity to come here. Right. Um, you know, a lot of the students that come in uh who have like developmental needs not all of them unfortunately are like your traditional disabilities it's not always like autistic or or downs or, or something along those lines some of them are like trauma related emotional needs where they need someone to help get through their day and deal with like um you know like bipolar disorders or other trauma related Things that you know are byproducts of of what their life was growing up, and uh, unfortunately, a lot of these kids are you know not white children and they're in classrooms full of white kids. We've actually heard some of the conversations from these kids are like our son asked once, he's like, Are all people with that skin color the same way? We had to be like, No, but you have a couple kids on your soccer team that you know everybody learns different everybody's got different things going on like you were like you learn different right you have ocd and and adhd and that kind of impacts how you go throughout your day right um these kids you know they just learn a little different they need a little extra help but it's really my my wife sees a little bit more because it's the only time a lot of these kids are exposed to different races and whatnot so what they're seeing and these these aren't kids who have like difficulty sitting in their chair they have like fits of rage where they're flipping desks and like hitting walls and like yelling and screaming and things like that, which is tough because Hartford doesn't have a lot of those resources to manage those. I don't know if my wife, I don't know if the school here does either, but at least they have some additional resources to dedicate to that. Mm. But for a lot of kids, that's like their first exposure to folks of different races. Um, we hear some of the comments from some of the parents too, and it's really difficult. Like coming from me, I grew up in uh, most of my growing up years. I, I moved from Hawaii to, to Connecticut. I, I was born in Hawaii, moved to Connecticut. Oh,
0: didn't know that.
1: I, yeah, Why would and I? then uh, yeah. So my dad was in the Navy. Born in Hawaii, moved to Groton. Well, we moved to Boston or Everett, which is just outside Boston, to stay with my grandfather for a few months while the base got our house ready and, and running and then we moved to Groton for uh, a couple of years until I was in elementary school and then we moved out to Van Nuys California which is a part of Los Angeles where I lived almost up through uh, middle school so like I'm from a very diverse background like I the elementary school I went to I was one of like eight white kids when we had the holidays come around I learned how to sing all of the songs in Spanish before I ever learned how to Mm -hmm. sing them in uh in English we are the shows that we did for the schools and the parents I would wear like all white clothes with uh the green and and white and red like sachet that you would tie around your waist and uh Feliz Navidad you know (laughs) like all that stuff it was it was great and I never knew anything different um so when we moved to Maine that was like, oh, oh, wow. Like, we went to, for anybody who knows anything about Maine, we went to Oxford Hills, which is in the middle of nowhere. So I went from Los Angeles, or we stayed in a small town just north of that for, like, two years before we got out of there. But the violence and everything was so bad wherever we lived that, uh, like, I sat on the, one of the first core memories I have is uh, being in our house in Van Nuys and sitting uh, on our fence in our backyard. We had an orange tree. And your houses were all in a row. They were all you know, very small houses. We didn't have a lot of money growing up. They were all small houses. Uh, and you had fences that separated all the properties. You had the garage separated from the house and an alleyway that went behind everyone's house in that alleyway. It's just like you see in the movies. If you see any movie from Los Angeles, they always end up in, especially like the dodgy movies, Mm. like Sons of Anarchy, things like that. There's always alleyways. So um, I would sit underneath that tree on the fence with one leg in my yard, one leg in my neighbor's yard, and I would just eat oranges like all day because our neighbor was this uh, beautiful jazz singer, uh named geraldine and her husband sergio was the musician so she would just work in her garden singing jazz all day like her whole backyard was converted into like just one big path of garden Mm. and she would just come over and see me up in the tree and start singing and i would just lean against the tree just eating oranges it was like (laughs) something out of it we wouldn't even really talk much we would just that's just sort of what it was she'd babysit when we needed to and all that sort of stuff but uh one day sitting in that tree I while she's singing you hear a bunch of like yelling and noise and I start one by one see people running down uh running down the alleyway I'm like oh, I wonder what this is about and here I am naive just peeling back this orange nobody sees me in this tree and then like more and more and more and more and then I noticed people were carrying things and like the things they were carrying were getting bigger and bigger and more expensive looking uh and without realizing we were only a few blocks from the la riots so it was happening These oh people gosh. who were looting during the la riots were really running by our house and here i am with an orange just chilling yeah you know no no idea what's going on you know i didn't i'd spent almost no time indoors as a kid if I, I was always outside yeah so i didn't have the tv on i wasn't watching anything um uh, but yeah the looters and and, and the, the rioters during the you know the rodney king la riots were just Strolling down our street. Oh my gosh. Our, How old were our, you? Oh man, I must have been in maybe third grade, fourth grade.
0: Wow. That we is think. just nuts.
1: Yeah. Um,
0: were you, where were your parents?
1: Oh, they were inside. They were inside. Like, uh, my, Well, my dad was at work. Uh, we were home with my mom. Um, and then like after, after like, I don't know, the because the, it wasn't like the – we weren't in the core part of where it was happening. So these were a lot of folks who had walked down to take part, and now we're running, like, several blocks back home. So I don't think I – I mean, I, I could have been. You know, there's a lot of anger floating around that city then, so I may have been in danger if someone saw me sitting up in that tree. But I didn't think I was at the time. But after after, like, the – I don't know. 50th person walked down carrying like a tv i was like all right i, I should probably get out of here <laughs> and uh Gosh. i hopped down off the tree went inside and we ended up turning on the tv and that's when we you know started seeing the, the news reports of it but mm. there was there was a lot that was going on around there like our our house had been shot at once a dad's truck was stolen a kid was killed and hung across the street from us we're like all right let's get out of here let's move back back home uh my dad went to like a college prep year up in hebron academy which is uh yep, not far that from that's just outside of oxford hills oxford hills is like a a collection of towns uh yes. it's like oxford paris norway Bush, so it's oxford hills. yeah yeah so uh he's like all right time to get hell out of here i'm gonna go back home but uh he grew up in boston and it was just too expensive so let's move to maine so we bought a house like without ever seeing it all right sorry we decided to rent a house first before we bought because we weren't sure about the air but we rented a house without ever seeing it we just my dad looked at a a listing this is the early days of the internet mm. and uh called a realtor, and they, they ended up setting it up so we went from van nuys california uh technically Rosemont, is rosemond which is little bit north of there uh we where we stayed just to get away from the violence we moved about an hour north just for like two years and then got out of there but uh we went from that area to oxford hills the middle of nowhere maine like i remember the first time seeing kids in high school who thought they were part of like a gang and i couldn't help but kind of laugh at them but i feel like (laughs) it was it was it was even less diverse than what my son is currently dealing with now um but we were kind of in the same boat like we were close friends with like the only black kid in our entire grade uh who we're still friends with to this day i'm still in a group text with him and my other buddies Mm. um but my son now i think he's got i mean to come full circle on that story is uh is uh my son's kind of in the same boat now where we went from boston which is super diverse you know he had all kinds of kids in his daycare that he was close with and that we saw a lot and we hung out with until and now we're down here and the only kid he has that's close to him is a kid, you know, plays on a soccer team every now and again that we go to the playground and see. But otherwise, a lot of kids that look like him.
0: Okay, so can you talk a little bit about your like ADHD, how that affects your life, how long you've known about it, how it affected you as a child, um, all that stuff?
1: For anybody who has ADHD, they'll understand. But for anybody who doesn't, it, it obviously affects people in different ways. For me, it's it's I'm not you know, I'm mildly hyperactive. Like I've reorganized my desk five times since being on the Zoom call with you. But uh, <laughs> for for me, it's uh it's like my short term memory is just shit. I mean, it's one of those things that so, like my life could have ended up very differently had I taken better precautionary things like when i was younger uh, i got tested in middle school and they're like yeah your, your child has add or adhd and this is back when they classified it in two different forms now it's just the same um but yeah i, I was on like the principal's honor roll and like the superintendent's honor roll from kindergarten through middle school like i had spectacular grades and then towards the tail end of middle school we start getting a little bit more into like that high school routine where You can switch classes a little bit during your work day or during your class day and then you get more homework at night when you go home uh my grades started slipping a little bit um and i was an athlete growing up i played sports from the time i i was eligible to enroll all the way until i graduated high school when we were in california i was like a you know sometimes i'd be like a a two-sport athlete if the seasons overlapped but baseball is what I lived and breathed. I was like one of the Sandlot kids from the time I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, but <clears throat> they started to slip a little bit. And then we got into high school. They took like a nosedive and what it ended up being. And like, it was always a frustration for the teachers. Cause they're like, you're a very bright kid. I don't understand what's going on. And it was all homework. Like you would leave. And then it was up to you to then follow up on that. And for me, the follow up side is where a lot of these things come in and, um,
0: Structure.
1: Yeah, it's it's structure. There's like, even structure can be, can be tricky. Like I, I was at the point where I probably would have benefited from some like medical intervention, like medication of some kind. Uh, but for whatever reason, you know, my parents decided not to really pursue it. And we just kind of went about things as if they were going to like, oh, well now we know we have it, we'll take better care. But I was really good at, you know, making up reasons for why I wouldn't do my work or I'd wait and you know folks with ADD tend to work really well under pressure so I would end up doing the work right before class or in class right before we would hand it over and um I'm sure my parents probably could have been a little bit more attentive like there's only so many times you can ask for my report card and I tell you, you probably got lost in the mail before you should realize that I'm just not giving you my report cards right sure uh so I can I I, I I won't blame them for all of it, but there's definitely something on their side. Was it stigmatized a on their side? Was it... Did they think... I don't...
0: They-
1: I I really don't... No, I just think it was one of those that was like... We had... My mom had ran a daycare for a little while out of our house, and we had a child who was there that was like the true stereotype of ADD. If she wasn't on her medication, there were like significant outbursts. She would like bite people. It was It was like pretty aggressive, so... I think when they, like, that was the first time that they were exposed to it. And then when they're like, oh, your son has it. And they're like, well, he's not even anywhere to like this. So I don't know. It's manageable. Um, they
0: thought it looked the same across the board when it doesn't.
1: Potentially. I've never, I to be honest, I've never brought it to their attention. I've never asked them, like, hey, why? Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of look back on it sometimes, a little bit of animosity, but uh, not not as much. You know, my life turned out, pretty good i managed it i found ways to manage it kind of on my own but my life probably would have ended up drastically different had i done something about it when i was younger in fact when i was in high school uh we moved to maine and you know kind of everything was on par i was still doing the same stuff i was playing baseball i managed to maintain and good enough grades during the, the sports seasons to play and then afterwards when you didn't have any you know external motivation it would kind of slide back into the same habits where i would just getting you getting yourself to sit down and do what you needed to do was was very difficult and uh i knew that going into our our senior year i went with my guidance counselors i'm like hey listen i know i'm in i'm in some some tough shape here but i just want to make sure that i'm okay to graduate and we went over everything okay as long as you get uh C's and these courses, you'll be fine, but you need B's and these, and you probably need an A here, you should be fine. So I was like, okay. So I managed to get most of that in order, and then marching practice comes around, and I see a guy in scholarship come in and start plucking people out of line. I'm like, oh, I wonder what this is about. I'm like, hey, Mr. Cronin, we need to we need to chat. And uh, they're like, well, when we were looking at your your records, some of your credits from California didn't transfer over completely. So you're actually a credit and a half shy, and some of that was if I had just done better when I was in Maine, it wouldn't have been a wouldn't have been a problem because I would have had all the credits I needed for that. But because I, you know, failed a couple that I had to retake, kind of put you behind a little bit. And I was like, well, I met earlier this year, and they said I was okay. I'm like, well, unfortunately, you know, we're unable to process you for graduation without these credits and. whole thing was kind of a shame anyway because you're supposed to have a music credit and i never took a music class you're supposed to have language credit and i never took a language class so i don't i don't fully understand like how they were able to determine i was a credit and a half shy in in like social studies or something but happened to neglect the other two um but it's like okay what can i do can i just take a summer school class and you know whatever if i don't march i don't march um they're like well what we can do is give you a modified schedule next year i was like i'm sorry what like, yeah, we'll give you a modified schedule next year. I was like, you, you're not going to let me graduate and I have to come back for an entire year for a credit and a half. That's not even like a full, that's like one class could be three credits depending on what class it is. Right. I was like, this, That's insane. I'm like, no, 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 I'm not, I'm not coming back for an entire year for, for a credit and a half. There's got to be something else we can do. Can I like test out of it or whatever we need to do? And I'm like, well, no, that's our only option. So I immediately started calling schools in other towns to see if I could get somebody else with an option and quickly get the credit and then transfer it back to my school or whatever.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So the the town over was like, I tell you what, why don't you come over tomorrow? We'll do an assessment test, see where you're at, what you need, and maybe you can figure something out. So I showed up. I sat down over the course of two days and did the entire high school curriculum, math, science, English, social studies, everything. Four on one day, four on the next Two days later I get a call. They're like, uh, you scored high enough on all of this. We're just gonna give you whatever credits you need, plus a couple AP credits to help pad you. <laughs> uh, that was
0: a really extreme turn of events.
1: Yeah, yeah. They're like, uh, I don't know. We're, we're not sure what happened or what transpired, but you clearly know the material. So I ended up having extra credits when I when I ended up graduating. But it was uh that was like the first eye opener where I'm like, Jesus Christ, like now that impacts college, right? Because now I had a tough grades, So I ended up going to USM. Uh, and that's like the worst. That's the absolute worst for anybody who doesn't have any kind of any help when it comes to ADD, because you are on your own 100%. And we were commuting. Uh, it was a buddy of mine who lived in uh, Oxford as well. We would commute together from Oxford to Portland, which is like a hour-long drive. So Get down! I'm like, oh, this is great. I'm all in. I'm learning. This is awesome. And then, like, the social aspect of college starts creeping in, and then I ended up getting uh, asked to pledge a fraternity. So all of this external stimulant going on uh, is just it was a disaster. I ended up going for like a year and a half before, and I was trying to pay for it out of pocket. I didn't want to go into massive debt because I knew that there was a potential I would struggle, and I didn't want to waste the money in there. So I was like, all right take a year off and work and then pay. And then obviously like everybody who takes time off, I just never went back and, and finished. But, uh, I mean, if I look back on it now and, and had some form of like, let's say medication, for example, I, who knows what I'd be doing right now. Mm. Uh it could So be did you ever anything. get a degree? No, Me no. So everything I, it was one of those, I had like a, a knack for technology.
0: Where did your technology knowledge come from?
1: It's just, I I love when there's a problem and I can't, and it doesn't, technology just happens to be the biggest outlet because there's so many possibilities for problems and solutions, but I love any problem that I don't know how to fix. I will lose myself in learning how to fix it. Like cooking is another one of those. I love Nashville hot chicken sandwiches. I can't get them around here. Let's just figure out how to make them. Yeah. Well, trial and error. We'll, well, but technology is one of those that, like, you actually get instant feedback. It's a feedback loop, right? Like, this is broken. Let's learn learn how to fix it. Holy shit, I fixed it. It's working again. Or I want to do this. My current computer is not capable of doing it. What do I need to do to make it that way? Okay, let's order all the parts. So I'll build it from the ground up. And I mean, but how do you
0: know to do that? Computers. You didn't go to school for it
1: no but i mean that's that's the thing like uh just i don't know anytime i mean fishing fishing is a prime example that it's a more basic function of it i I don't know anything about fishing i bought a a forty dollar rod and reel and i got one for myself one for my son and one for my wife we went out on a canoe uh i caught two fish and was like oh shit, okay like when you go into something without For me, in the way my brain works, like the moment something becomes interesting, you want to learn everything about it. So when I was like, I want to know how computers work, it then became, and this started back when I was in uh, middle school and my parents' first computer, the way you had to buy it back then is you had to go somewhere and they weren't selling like computers, they were selling computer parts. So they had to go to a computer show. And they would pick out the parts and somebody there would put it together for them. I've never them heard bringing... of this. Yeah, well, I mean, this was I mean in the nineties, I guess, maybe. Um, so they bring it home and I remember them turning it on and I sit down on this computer and I was like, and they had like an A Commodore 64, which was even before that, and that was like super basic. So they they brought this thing home and I remember sitting down in front of it and just being blown away by the possibilities of what this Thing could lead to like what i could do with this like we had aol instant uh, we had actual aol like for for you youngins out there listening they used to give you an actual cd which some of you guys might not even know what a cd is anymore and it would say like here are 60 minutes of aol for you to try or whatever yeah so it wasn't just let's use let's use this tool i was like oh what can i do with this once i'm in aol so then i started dabbling into like some of the nefarious sides, like I could use a well to connect to somebody else's computer and like toy around with some of the things that they were doing, I could shut someone's computer down from my computer. And I'm like, Oh, there is literally an endless amount of possibilities here. This is a, a black hole of information that you could really get lost in. And it just, I did from the time I was in like middle school and high school. I, by the time I was in high school. There was a program that was going around called NetBus, which was, uh, uh a—I mean, it was a hacker tool. I was going to say, I
0: keep wanting to say you're a hacker. <laughs>
1: I i would never go that far. I'm not, no, okay, I'm not technically proficient enough to, like, I've dabbled in it enough that I could have gotten myself into some trouble, but it was, so by, by the time hacked. I was, uh, ha- we'll
0: put it in past tense, you've hacked.
1: When when I was in high school, I had control over every computer on campus. I could have changed grades. Could I never did any of that stuff because I was too afraid of what would happen? But I could hop in and watch what a teacher was doing in real time. That's
0: hacking. (laughs) I could control it,
1: but it made it, it it was easier then because like a lot of it was such a new thing for a lot of folks that security wasn't as as good as what it was now so there were programs you could put on that would help streamline that process i just needed to know like an ip address or like a specific address of a computer on a network and i could interact and do whatever whatever i needed to do with it and then it kind of like over time it, it helped with sort of the advancement of my career i was able to get in and reset windows passwords for folks who had forgotten what they they were without having to get into the computer i could do it from i could put a thumb drive in launch into it uh like a, a version of windows running off my little thumb drive and in and modify whatever i needed to wow. so it was just one of those There was just like there's an endless there's endless room of possibilities for for me and for somebody who hyper fixates someone with add that is like what you're looking for uh art is like that for some people getting lost in art like photography was like that i went like all in once i'm interested in something there is no like half-assing it you are all in even for even if it's for like a short period of time you are all in on it and it's like some people it's fitness like you don't just work out once it's like well now i got to work out all the time and i got to use whatever the best equipment is now i got to do crossfit because now that's always into it and then i got to get i have to get the right shoes for it because you know. That's you need shoes to work out and I need to make sure I have the right outfit for it because you have to have the right outfits. It's not like some people who just put on jeans and a t-shirt and grab a bottle of water and go. It's like it's with that with everything. Like yeah. fishing, lawn, like my garden. I when we first bought our house, I had learned everything I I could about gardening. And now I'm ready to let the whole right side of our house fill in because it's just so much time and effort. And, you know, I'm already on to the next thing. Like uh like some of the, some of them come in like stick, and you kind of live with them forever. Like uh IT obviously is one of those. Um That's like what just I was gonna say. Week.
0: There so there's that side of it where you get hyper fixated on on stuff and you're all in and all in. But it's like uh, I I find that a way to also kind of weed out the like I'm trying new things all the time, but not everyone has to try new things and go full force, and like you said, get all the new stuff yeah. and have the perfect this and perfect that. But um, yeah. what what things have you, other than IT, kind of hyper fixated on and kept in your life? And what have you kind of like let go that you aren't interested in anymore?
1: Funny enough, like over the last couple of years, um, fishing and, and, and whiskey collecting,
0: mm.
1: like it started with. Uh, I always used to have like a Basil Hayden or something around. I used to avoid it a little bit because my wife, she's got a a little bit of a history on her side um, with some uh, interactions with alcoholism that didn't sit well with her. So she was always super aware of like how much I was drinking and what I was drinking. And it would always kind of cause friction and, you know, a couple drinks too many that friction then boils over and you end up arguing and bickering a lot so I, I didn't drink a lot of whiskey for a long time because that was sort of the gateway to some of that bickering and arguing um but you know now that we're older and more comfortable and she understands we all understand like where we're at um like i don't have any level of drinking problems so now it's everything kind of relaxed so so at the start of covid i was like oh i got a new job and i got a couple bottles as different bottles as a gift and i was like oh okay and then like before that it was all craft beer and now it's like everybody's collecting whiskeys and it started becoming like oh well let's see what we can get here and let's see what we can get here and then, then i end up in like four facebook groups that were all like hawking beer and now i have a, a 1600 hundred dollar bottle of van winkle sitting in my cabinet with 50 other bottles of whiskey and extras that sit up here that don't have any room and a couple that are in the garage so it's like it's one of those that starts like one or two simple enough and then it becomes like Okay. Now there are ones that I can't get my hands on. Now I gotta figure out how to get my hands on those. There are ones that like I did not pay sixteen hundred dollars for that bottle because of one of these Facebook groups that are or <laughs> one of these uh completely legitimate um <laughs> groups uh where you basically you, you you like gamble on it and things like that. Or um like some of them have been gifted. I've had a couple of really expensive bottles that were gifted to me. So wow, that's
0: fun
1: yeah so now i have a lot of those uh they're everywhere mm. and then fishing started with one 40 pole and now i have like 15 poles one of which would cost probably a thousand dollars for the the reel and the rod and i have like two tackle bags that are constantly full of shit i get those little mystery boxes sent to my house for my son and i to open like it's mm. it's all all in but yeah probably one of those there's like a handful of other things that kind of come and go like um computer programming like sitting down trying to do like specific languages on your own where you have to sit and watch videos learn someone talk and then practice and remember information that you're literally trying to type out at the same time i got super I, you know i bought a bunch of classes i started doing them I, I coordinated time with a buddy of mine who also wanted to learn and then that lasted for like four months and kind of went to the wayside mm. so for so for every one of those it's like you're latched on and in their the photography was like that for several years. I actually did like a lot of family shoots. I did, uh, I wouldn't go anywhere without a camera. I don't think I picked up a camera more than maybe twice in the last like year and a half. Just, uh, golf was like that. Mm-hmm. Golf's kind of falling to the wayside. side. I still love golfing, but that's time I could be fishing or, or time I could be home hanging out with, with Brady. Cause it's such a long time now
0: yeah like it's funny thousand? how some of those things like i used to love to golf i mean i still like to golf but the thought of just playing nine holes that's two hours like yeah. that's a lot of time in my life at this point it's like i could be doing a million different yeah. things and so retirement will be great for all of these hobbies
1: <laughs> <laughs> i uh i think part of the reason i kind of latched on and 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 took to go uh to fishing as much is because like my job is to talk to people all day long i'm either in meetings all i've reached the point in my career where the bulk of my workday is spent in meetings like planning and strategizing and coming up with solutions and helping my team kind of get better so i'm just constantly either listening or talking or fishing is an opportunity for me to just disconnect from all of it because i can go by myself and uh, to be honest like i I can go at night. Like, I've gone out to uh, Lake McDonough at like seven o'clock and stayed through the dark. Mm-hmm. Just, it's quiet. You're just listening to things. Like, uh... last week, I went out and it was almost pitch black. Like it was enough, I could see there's a little light that was there, but I could hear coyotes way off in the woods. I could hear like the owls, and it's just so peaceful and quiet. And then you get the reward of, Catching something, which is always exciting. Doesn't matter how often you fish, it's always exciting. And I've gotten good enough that I catch fish almost every time I go. I think I've caught like over two hundred fish this year. Yeah, you're, um, you're, it's
0: insane. All your—I follow your Instagram and I see all your fish, and they're big fish. Yeah,
1: yeah. And it's not like the the fish is kind of like the cool side of it. Like it's the reward for it, but it's really to just disconnect. Sure. Like I got a I got a fishing kayak that lets me stand up and. I'm not a sit i don't i think people usually picture fishing with like throw a bobber out and just drink beers until something catches it i'm a very active fisher like if i'm not in a boat i'm like hiking somewhere i'll get in the car i'll zoom out on the map i'll find a body of water hit that drive to it figure out how to get to it like i'll either hike in or or driving or whatever i need to do and then i'm constantly like moving around that water to find like good spots spots to fish in so again it's a the process of little sure. fly fishing. Fly fishing, is the same. I do a little fly fishing, and that's like severe process driven. But that's a little too uppity and yuppie for me. That's there's a lot of cost increase just because it's fly fishing. Mm. That and the stigma that goes with it, where everything you buy is like two hundred dollars more than it would be if it was bass fishing, for example. Yeah, so. yeah.
0: that seems silly.
1: But yeah, so every every one of those hyper fixated moments, there's one that uh that I mean masks like star wars shit
0: yeah
1: came home from disney with that one and next thing you know now i've got
0: yeah like what do you got mando stormtrooper
1: there's uh there's oh the
0: yeah
1: yeah there's a bunch and then it. like it trickles to like a star wars funko pop i got this little mr potato head right here <laughs> that's the the yam delorean they yeah, call it yeah, the
0: yam delorean
1: <laughs> the yam delorean and the Tot.
0: that is uh, that's genius
1: yeah. Uh, and like all of this stuff Seemed like really great ideas at the time And I'm like what the hell am I going to do with it All of it. Yeah, okay, I, It's so on my...
0: your shelf and we're looking at it We're talking about it
1: so. Calvin and Hobbes is another sort of consistent one That kind of mm. I latched on to And now I have all the books But that one played a bigger role In some of my uh, my life When I was younger Actually not younger But it's always there Like my son and I will still sit down And, and look through some of those so things There's a lot of good messages in there But when I proposed to my wife uh i drew my own calvin and Hobbes comic and it was calvin proposing to susie (laughs) um so yeah like the night before i drew up the little cartoon i was like all right let's see maybe this will be uh maybe this would be cute so calvin and Hobbes is one one that's always been been around every now and i have a uh, uh uh actual replica that a friend of mine her mother does like costume design and whatnot She's sewed a perfect one-to-one uh, of Hobbes as a uh, like when he's the stuffed animal. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever read Calvin Hobbes, but I
0: didn't. I mean, I know who they are, obviously, but I yeah. didn't. I wasn't. Into so it's it. it's
1: a little boy and yeah. his stuffed tiger. Yeah, but the tiger, you know, it, it is like his best friend. So most of the comic strip is is them on little adventures, and there's so many little. It it is something I could not recommend you read. Enough, like that is, you should pick one of them up and just look through it because it's like it's like what Bluey is now. I don't Ooh. know if you watched any of those.
0: Oh, I love Bluey,
1: yeah. So that's kind of what it is, where <laughs> okay. there's a lot of commentary and there's a lot of social commentary that comes from this little kid that is like super relatable. Like it's yeah, it's real really, stuff. yeah, yeah, but it's written from the perspective of a kid, right? Sure, like, talks about death because he sees a, a bird like a dead bird or. Mm-hmm. Just social interactions, all that sort of stuff. Um, so my son and I like to sit down and, and read some of those. But anyway, for my wedding, or for, sorry, from when my son was born, it's a perfect remake of when he's a stuffed animal wow. that we still have. And my son will sometimes bring it in. He's like, Dad, why don't you sleep with him tonight? And Or oh, Dad, can I have him tonight? So we just kind of swap back and forth.
0: So cute. I love it. Yeah. Um, we yeah. Ha- I haven't even asked you any of the questions. <laughs> and we've Go been for talking it. for an hour and a half have you ever had an experience in life when you had to be brave?
1: Um, I mean, countless times as a kid, for sure. Uh, I started new schools more times than I can remember. Um, and I remember speaking of core memories, one of the, one of the saddest times I can remember was when we moved from Connecticut and met a lot of kids and I had a, Pretty good little group of friends. I remember leaving Connecticut and laying down in the back seat of the car because nobody really cared about safety back then. So I uh, we drove cross country when we moved, and I remember laying in the back seat, crying but quietly so my parents didn't hear it or see it. And the song there was a, a, like a '80s song that was on the radio. I've never been able to find. Uh, what the song was but like just being so genuinely sad that i had to go to a new school and then you get to california my first day i realized it's a mixed school where the elementary school and the high school shared a campus that's <laughs> odd and the first the first day there i saw a fight in which a kid get all his teeth knocked out so like that set for me the what it was like to go to new schools. And from there I changed schools, you know, a, a ton more times. Um so we had to bounce around a lot. I had to make a lot of new friends. I had to learn the process and practice that process over and over and over again, which I think has kind of led to where I'm at now career wise. I think my career has been more about my ability to build relationships and, and communicate with folks. I can be dropped in a room now. And I'm not even remotely intimidated. Whereas as a child, like that's a really difficult thing, asking you to kind of start from scratch when you don't know anybody, like over and over and over again. Um but, you know, it's kind of giving me a unique outlook on life and uh kind of interesting social side that I don't think a lot of kids had, because that'll either swallow you up and you end up becoming a rec- recluse forever, mm. or you just learn to kind of roll with it. And 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 go with it. And It's super intimidating being a kid from. I remember rolling into high school. It was my freshman year of high school when we moved to Maine.
0: Mm, yeah. So I had to start <sighs> that
1: whole process over in high school. You didn't know anybody. I started like,
0: a new high school, and I yes, I started that new. Yeah. And that sucked.
1: Yeah. So it's like, oh, you, you, like, and it sounds so stereotypical because you've seen it in a hundred movies. But I was the California kid, like for the longest time. Like people didn't know me. I was just the, the kid from California for like years until mm-hmm. I mean I, I pretty quickly made a, a pretty good a pretty good core group of of friends that I'm still friends with to this day. But still, you had it's small town like everything. Like I didn't make the baseball team because the, the I was I was told I could come in practice even though I had been recruited in California to play on a travel tournament team like playing baseball with my buddies on a, like a dusty, uh, a dusty diamond, a coach came over and saw it, was like, Hey, we want you to come play on our team to moving to Maine and being like, Oh, well you can practice with a team. if somebody gets hurt, and it was because it was small town, those kids grew up playing together. Nobody wanted to upset the apple cart, even though I knew I was better than a lot of the kids that were on the team. Um, Just a lot of little things like that, you know, I don't, I, I didn't have to really deal with bullies per se, but there were definitely definite assholes. Sorry. I don't know yeah. if I can swear here, but there were yeah. some definite, uh, jerks that, uh, that you kind of had to, to deal with. And, you know, I'm pretty, pretty good at diffusing at situations. So it didn't really come to much, just more like uncomfortable hallway interactions. But yeah, that was something growing up, you know,
0: did you end you up playing baseball play. on the team and just dominating, or how did that go?
1: Uh, I ended up playing town ball instead, so I played like legion and learning how to play lacrosse instead, because uh, the following year, during tryouts, I ended up breaking my wrist trying snowboarding, so okay. I missed the tryouts for that one and then just decided to hang it up, mm. which sometimes I look back on I'm like, I wonder... I wonder if i had you know, that—that's another ADD thing. Where you're like, eh, love doing it. If it's not going to work out, I'll figure out something else to do. Yeah. Or if I had like fought for it and maybe spent that first year on the practice team, proving I was better than anybody. If I'd been able to do something, something I was, I was a very, very good baseball player as a kid. Mm. Uh, but
0: any other brave moments?
1: I got shingles uh, three years ago. Yikes! And it's sp- and it spread into my spinal fluid and became meningitis. Oh my gosh. And I was in the hospital for uh, a week, like I almost died. Oh
0: my like, legitimately gosh. Legitimately almost
1: died. My brain was swelling and it was causing my brain to shut. That was crazy. My parents never came down to visit once. And my wife was like, did that bother you? I'm like, no, what are they going to do? They're just going to sit in this room and like, watch me. Like, what are they going to do while I'm sleeping? Cause I'm sleeping a lot. Yeah. They they're going to leave the hospital and what go sightseeing like what the hell are they going to do down here so it's no if they they're calling they're checking on me and i'm telling them i'm fine like what are they gonna they're five hours away they would have rushed down here the first day and they would have gotten here i would have been asleep
0: right right (laughs)
1: like it's i I look at things a lot more logically than i do emotionally like i'm very good it's probably a, a problem sometimes but there's a lot of things I can do where I can do it completely without any emotional involvement. Like I, I'm really good at at like functional living where not everything has like emotion tied to it. Some things are just things. They're just actions. They're things you're doing or or whatever. Um But the other side, I'll be watching a commercial now with like a little kid and I'll tear up and get like emotional or something like that. But I'm really good at disconnecting some of that. And that's a scenario where like, I'm so independent that I, I don't, I don't need. It. I didn't even need my wife coming to the hospital. I'm like, don't bother driving out of here. What are you going to do? Sit in a room with me for two hours? Like,
0: but if nothing you new wanted has her, changed. That's why everyone's different. I understand. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, but maybe it's the like, like Kaya might just want the comfort of knowing that she has uh, I, the people around yes. her. But even yeah. though they're not going to be any use otherwise, or like. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I get it. I, I get Yeah,
1: it. it's it's one of those that like devolves into like uh, less about me and more that like her feeling that I need her to be there for me to feel comfortable, which I get. And that's, you know, that's the whole aspect of it. But at the time, like my, my actual brain was shutting down. And I, there's a picture of me in the emergency room area, uh, like in a bed, having just been told I had... Meningitis, and I'm like cheering for a Bruins goal because it's during the Bruins playoff. Oh, like that's oh how gosh. disconnected my brain was. I had I had gone from being at home, being like my I think I'm having a heart attack. My fingers are all tingly, walk like falling over while I was standing up, driving to the hospital, calling my parents to tell them like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm on my way to the hospital in case something comes up on social media uh just you know i'm fine hey do me a favor tell dad i love him i gotta go my mom was like no nope nope what do you mean yeah what? like that's that was like a red flag for hey d- tell dad i love him yeah
0: i She's mean like, who what? does that you're like i'm fine but tell dad <laughs> yeah. i love him that's yeah mess. That's so,
1: like, and like i'm like almost bawling as this is happening but trying not to let my voice come across that it's happening and then i hang up the phone and i'm like kyle's freaking out because she was like we should have called an ambulance and i'm like no we'll beat the ambulance to the hospital we got to go now so like she's all worked up and then within like a second it all like went away and i look out the window i'm like oh i think that's where i left my air pump from like four years ago at like some gas station mm-hmm. she's like what okay i like, hey, remember the air pump i used to have the battery charger thing i think that's where i left it and she goes are you serious right now i'm like yeah yeah what do you mean she's like how are you feeling i'm like what do you mean so like, you nervous i'm like no i'm not nervous at all she goes, oh my god <laughs> she's like, you just called your parents and you thought you might be dying i'm like well yeah i know but maybe i was overreacting so she's like oh my god so she gets to the hospital literally pulls up the, the front of the er gets out and runs inside i'm sitting in the car like Whoa this is strange behavior what's going on they come out they rush they rush me in and anyway long story short it was like one of those that like after like when I didn't have any of the like worry or concern because that part of my brain was getting pressure put on it so I had no concerns or worries and then they got me on IVs and I slept for almost 24 hours and when I woke up like the pressure had gone down and my brain was back to functioning Semi normally, and I was at that point like, okay, well, we're in the clear, I'm good, like, you don't have to babysit me here, I'm fine.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But it bothered her a lot that like my parents didn't come down, yeah. But I'm like, I because that's what I she would have
0: wanted for herself, yeah,
1: yeah. I think, I think a lot of that independence stems from like a lot of the moving around stuff. Like, I, I yeah. really would be fine. I moved to Boston without knowing anybody, got a place on my own before i ever even met my wife so
0: yeah you're resilient that's how you were brought up you're used to it
1: it was a long answer to a short question sorry
0: no that's okay oh gosh people give all kinds (laughs) of different answers (laughs) lengths of answers um okay next question is uh what makes you feel free
1: Mm. my son. I know this is like a, a cheesy, a cheesy sort of answer, but. No,
0: it's your answer. It's
1: my, yeah. One of the only things I wanted my whole life was to be a dad. It was one of those things that, like, I knew I wanted a kid to share my experience. It didn't have to be a son or a daughter. I just wanted, I, I love kids, love being around kids. I love just imparting knowledge and things that I learn and know and listening and watching them learn and grow and figure things out. So when I'm with my son, like whether it's, it's fishing or just in our backyard or at night watching him learn how to read, like he's a very bright kid. Got a lot of daddy's ADHD, unfortunately. So, but like seeing him evolve and learn and do those things is one of those things that like, I'd give up anything that gave me the personal freedom to disconnect if it meant I could just hang out with him all the time. Mm. Even as he gets older, I still like being around him tremendously. Like uh even more than my job, my I, I love my wife more than my marriage. Everything I do is evolving around my kid. Like every job I take, it's okay, how is this going to benefit my son's current life down the road? Uh our second child that we're having right now is more because we want to make sure that he has a sibling i mean it sounds like we're just using the our, our daughter is like a gimmick for him but oh. the same thing will happen when she's born too to become about both of my children like making sure that they have the best opportunities and they're taken care of and, and they never go without a want like i on my son i wouldn't say acts spoiled he is 100 percent spoiled like that kid has like just things raining down on him all the time. Like he he never wants for much to the point where I'm like, all right, we got to slow this down, otherwise we're going to set a bad precedent. And like I try to keep it grounded in in reality. But outside of like that, those sort of things, just being with him all the time he uh he comes home the first thing he does is if I'm working he climbs up behind me on the chair and just like leans over and tells me about his day and he's always like rubbing my beard or he's (laughs)
0: like
1: playing with my hair like all of those sort of things or like dad can you just come and can you stop working and just come and play with me I'll log out of a zoom call right now I'll be right there (laughs) like that kind of stuff
0: how was your dad with you when you were growing up because you were running around everywhere um moving yeah. and such so how do you look at yourself being a being a parent with a son and then look back at your life and be like is that a yeah. good good thing or... so
1: i kind of took on that independent side of me like at a really young age and i wouldn't say my dad we weren't close but we weren't not close like there wasn't any there wasn't a lot of animosity there between my folks There if there was it was underlying my dad was very old school and like strict in some aspects because he was old school boston and was in the military so there's a lot of that in there like for the longest time like i had to wear dress shoes to school and i'd wear sneakers just to gym because Mm -hmm. that's what he did growing up and it took a long time for me to be like that like that's just not what people do anymore like i had penny loafers Mm -hmm. for, for a very long time and uh it wasn't until like And when I say a long time, I mean, like they weren't penny lovers, but I had dress shoes probably until I was like a sophomore in high school. I was like, dad, no. Like I would just leave the house and put on whatever I wanted to wear. Anyway, just Mm -hmm. to appease him, I would leave with whatever he wanted me to wear. And then it sort of started like I fought the good fight so that my two brothers didn't have to, because my brothers are eight and 10 years younger than I am Mm -hmm. and were never tied to the same constraints that I had as a kid. But, uh, like the day I turned I think 15 or 16, can't remember. no, the day I turned 16, I had a job. And the first paycheck I got, I went out and I spent it on clothes. And the best part about it is they were all similar clothes to what my dad, they were like sweaters from the gap and like khakis and jeans. They were like nice clothes, but they were the clothes that like I bought and I felt like wearing mm. that he would have been fine with, but because he was used to his way of growing up and they provided and all that stuff. It was always like he had the final say, like it was always, it was always kind of like, my friends were all scared of my dad growing up. I wasn't necessarily scared of my dad, but my mother was always like a buffer. Like if I did something wrong, my mom knew about it first or I would go to her before I'd go to my dad. uh, Cause he was sort of the, um, uh, he would be, he'd be the one that would be carrying out the punishment. So to say he was the executioner. Yeah, so looking
0: um, back on that, and then having a, a son now, it's like, can you imagine him being scared of you, or your his friends being scared of you, and like, right? It's not a I weird thing to think about now.
1: Yeah, I definitely know he's a little bit more intimidated by me than my my wife when he does something wrong. Like, I know if he screws up. And I know about it first. I know there's a little bit of like a ooh, because I'm more of the enforcer, I think, than my wife is. Um, but like I, I would never take a belt to my son, but I had it growing up. Only when I was like really bad. And I but I still, would, that's
0: I would hate still it's still crazy that, to think about to me.
1: Yeah. And I, I would I would <laughs> I would probably say there were a few times I probably not only deserved it but benefited from it i was not the best i was i was adventurous probably uh on the wrong side of adventure when i was a kid i did a lot of things that were not 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 great uh but yeah i was a little bit of a troublemaker we just kind of got bored and and we were in like a little bit of a smaller town after Van Nuys. So yeah. there was, there was a few times I, I probably benefited from that because I could have really hurt somebody or like maybe burned down a building.
0: Uh, Hacker, <laughs> we to, arsonist.
1: We used, we used to terrorize, terrorize a grocery store because we had nothing else to do. And a dollar store next to it would sell to kids my age, smoke bombs and stink bombs and bomb bags And we would manipulate our backpacks so that we could be on our bike and reach back into our the like bottom of our backpack and pull things out and like fling them while we were on our bike. So we would throw smoke bombs. It was it was it was not great. It was not great.
0: Um Yeah. But I mean it seems kinda harmless other than the almost burning something down.
1: I mean, we were permanently banned from the store on more than one occasion uh how do you
0: get permanently banned on more than one occasion
1: uh because like a year or two went by and we kind of changed and looks just enough so and, you know, like new management didn't realize it and they would catch us again and
0: they didn't have your picture up like don't let these kids in
1: They're, i you, you know when you go to a grocery store and you see the glass yeah up at the top yeah yeah i i've, I've spent time up behind there oh wow with, okay
0: so you actually with the, with a manager wall. with the
1: managers and and Maybe a police officer too.
0: You're like up there with like the the managers, the FBI's, like missing persons, <laughs> yeah. most wanted, yeah, a... and the kids yeah. that yeah, yeah, are yeah. just assholes.
1: But again, I'm not like a lot of kids. Like I, like I said, I I learned to disconnect that emotional side of things pretty pretty early on. So, mm. but no, I will not be putting my son in, in any one of those positions because yeah. my whole world revolves around that little kid and the thought of me intimidating or scaring. Eh. Mm intimidation is going to happen just because you're the the grown-up and a parent or a leader but i don't ever want him to be like scared or nervous i want him to come to me with whatever he wants um or whatever he feels uncomfortable with but
0: yeah because home and parents are supposed to be a safe place yeah you know not a place of like oh shit what's gonna happen (laughs) you know yeah i don't want that yeah All right, last question, and then I'm going to ask you, like, a random question. Um, Okay. What do you know to be true?
1: Trying to answer without being cynical. There is not enough kindness in the world. Because I am politically, socially, everything, I'm very much, like, middle of the road. Like, I'm always live and let live. Be respectful, listen to both sides whenever there's, you know, whenever I get involved in a conversation. A lot of times I play devil's advocate and will represent a side that I might not even be on, but just to have the conversation, to hear it out and expose people to part of the conversation they might not have otherwise been. But what I have seen more and more as time goes on, especially with COVID and the downtime people have, is that people are less willing to have uncomfortable conversations that live outside of what their individual beliefs are. And I worry what that is going to do to like future generations where you can't have, like you see it on like local Facebook groups where someone might post a picture of a, of a bear that they see coming through the yard. There's always that one guy or those, those group of folks that are going to oh my god we see bears all the time we want to stop write the paper let's let's alert the like why like what what benefit is that and then someone will post something political or or they'll post something like you know abortion is a big one right like there's there seems to be no conceding or thought or middle ground between either side regardless of what side you're on there's never any like Let's hear the conversation. Let's hear the other side of it like that that could be a tough one because those who are opposed to it are like really opposed to it for for what it is, but like let's any other political conversation it's immediately if you disagree, you're either a Republican or you're a liberal and everyone's got stupid nicknames for each other now with there's just not enough anymore, and I don't know where it went or what happened or if it's social media that's the cause of all of it, but there's just not enough genuine care anymore i think in terms of like the general well-being mm-hmm. like nobody understands what a global economy is anymore so anytime we do something to help ukraine or to help someone overseas it's well why are not we fix it well because they're part of a world global economy and if part of it collapses the whole thing collapses there is there is a balance that has to be maintained across the board and if you don't maintain that balance like it's going to topple somewhere And somewhere you're going to make up for, so whether we're sending money out to a country to help them or we don't, and let's say there's a collapse of the, you know, the European economy, well, guess what? We get to make up for those same costs by rising costs for goods that would be imported from those areas. But like those conversations can't ever happen because the moment you express an opinion that's on one side or the other, it becomes... A totally different conversation and you can't you can no longer convince somebody of something that they don't believe in from the start there's never any changing of a mind it's never oh i see your point i didn't think of it that way it's well where are your sources they're owned by xyz company like you can't trust that anymore it's, it's a we it's a very weird place in a in our cycle of human life. That I don't know quite what the end result is going to be, but I have a feeling it's going to get a little worse before it gets any better. I, I've said this before. I think we're, there's some sort of social fallout that's going to happen at some point in my kid's lifetime. And it's kind of heartbreaking to think about, but I think it's it's going to happen, especially with the the speed of information. And now you have like quiet social media platforms coming out as echo chambers just mm-hmm. for people who have the same mindsets. So people are going to get themselves all all riled up, and I, I don't know. Yeah. I think we're heading for a dangerous place.
0: Just step away from the social media, people. Well, you don't have to step away, but...
1: Have have conversations with people who don't talk the same way you do, agree with your political yes. view, or look like you. Yeah, With an open mind. Disagree with everything, but try it. Try it a couple times. If nothing else, you can enforce your own ideology if that's the case, but at least you're hearing... Input from somebody who isn't just telling you what you want back to your face.
0: Um, yeah. okay. Last question. Okay. Have you ever had a paranormal experience?
1: I thought I did when I was younger more often than I I think I do now. I'm very like logical when I'm I approach things now, part partly because I am a parent and you know, my son part of his struggles with like OCD and, and and whatnot is needing to understand and and have a, a, a feedback loop closed. So when he hears a scary noise, wanting to understand what that is. So like for me, when I was younger, you know, I'd get spooked by things like anybody else did. But as I started to get a little older, I started taking more logical approaches to it where like, All right well there's got to be a reason for it and i would then go towards whatever that was to try and figure out what that is so if i heard a i know is there something that didn't make sense well i'm going to go whether i'm scared shitless or not and see if i can't understand what that may have been and i try to instill that in my son now where anything you hear anything that happens has a logical reasoning behind it for the most part sometimes it's just not obvious sometimes you may not know what it is but just know that there's a reason those things has happened. The only the only time I, I didn't have an explanation was a buddy of mine, uh, my best friend in high school, still my best friend now, where uh, we went to visit uh, one of his friends who lived right down the road. And everyone, nobody locks their doors. We all knew each other enough. We would just walk in and, and start calling for each other. And we were walking into his house and uh, we didn't know if he was anywhere in the house we thought he was upstairs like towards the room so we start walking up and both both my buddy steve and i at the same exact time heard someone quietly say steve but not in like a regular tone it was uh it was kind of like a almost like a hushed moan almost which was uh which is strange and we both stopped and looked at each other and not a single light was on in the house Nobody was around. There wasn't any cars in the parking lot, like in the in the driveway outside. So we we stopped. And I was like, "All right, it's got to be somebody." So then I went and I opened doors. I I looked in every room. We never saw a single person. So the longer we looked, the more creeped out we got, and ended up like getting out and literally running out of the house. That was that was the only one that was like completely, completely unexplainable that I can that i can recall because every other time when i hear something like i will relentlessly look to see if i can figure out
0: <laughs> yeah
1: what that was does yeah. your
0: buddy have you talked about that with your buddy ever since
1: oh yeah yeah we talk about it all the time we, we used to get in all these we, we had some like terrifying non-paranormal related things happen to us that we still talk about all the time where have you ever heard a fisher cat in real life
0: like at the animal
1: yeah have you ever heard the, yeah. the cry of a fisher cat oh at night? no but terrifying they sound like a combo of like a crying baby and a car screech at the same time.
0: Okay, that's
1: and uh just walking through for a long time we thought this might have been a little bit odd and maybe somewhat paranormal but I think I think looking back on it now is probably just like two of them calling to each other but we. Would just go for walks at night because we would he was in Albany Township, Maine, which is in the middle of nowhere, mm-hmm. out past like Waterford, Maine. And uh, we would just get bored and we'd go for walks sometimes, like as we got older, we'd like have a beer and then go for a walk, or you know, maybe partake in a little devil's lettuce and go for a <laughs> walk. <laughs> but uh, we, we were we were walking on top of this huge hill on a road, main road, but there were no cars ever, so you just literally walked down the middle of the road and mm-hmm. we were like looking down the lights and like Steve how crazy would it be if we looked and saw the lights like eight rows down which is probably like I don't know four hundred five hundred yards away I was like what if you saw some big terrifying thing go running through that light because you'd only see it for a second when it was under the light and then it would disappear until it got to the next light and then you'd see it again and we're like Haha, yeah that would be crazy <laughs> uh now, now like our brains are starting to work and it's almost like we had called it into fruition but
0: you manifested it
1: way out in the middle of nowhere because we're now on the top of on top of this hill and there's just woods everywhere we heard what sounded like a woman baby screaming with like a car screeching we're like oh my god was it just a car accident did you just hear someone die in a car accident so now we're like frozen just listening for more sounds like all the hairs in the back of your neck are sticking up and then not even two minutes later we heard the same sound except this time it was like a hundred feet from us in the woods it's so loud like think about it now is making like everything stand up on my neck i was out of there so fast like steve looked at the sound before holy left his mouth he turned and looked at me i was already at the next light pole like i was gone when (laughs) i was i was really fast as a kid when i was scared like I would kick my shoes off and run barefoot. Cause you could run the faster barefoot. Yeah. I was, I was gone. We didn't know what that was for a very, very long time until I randomly heard like a YouTube video talking about Fisher cats. And I think it was just like, I don't know, mating call or like coyotes do they'll yip to let everything in the area know that they're hunting mm-hmm. or that they've caught something. Uh, and I think that's probably what it was, but the fact that it happened moments after we said, how scary would this be? Sure. And then the scariest thing we'd ever heard. All right. Banshees, I don't know if they're real, but that's what I would equate a banshee sounding like. It was that level of scream. It was terrifying.
0: Yeah. Oh, I would have been out of there too. Yeah. Especially being in the middle of nowhere.
1: I mean, oh, like two miles from his house.
0: Yeah. You had to no run
1: thanks. two miles all the way back to his house, constantly looking behind us, waiting for some monster to come through the lights. How many years
0: us. passed before you knew or you were like, oh, that's what it was?
1: Oh, I mean, I we probably didn't realize what it was until like I don't know, ten years ago, maybe five years ago. So
0: did you spend that whole time being like, did something actually happen? Like, was there a car accident?
1: (laughs) Like, well, yeah, the whole time we were like, I mean, we would when we get together, you get yourself all worked up. I kept thinking it was an animal, but I was like, I've never heard an animal like that. Like, I don't know what that is. Like, I've heard of like foxes make like similar sort of rabbits make really
0: when rabbits are like. In pain, or they make a really, really bad cry. Yeah, so I kept,
1: I kept thinking, like, all right, it's probably, it was probably just an animal. But the fact that we couldn't pinpoint what it was or say with certainty what it was, it always left room for speculation. But then I ended up hearing one. uh, I had heard a similar sound, not not long after that. Um, I was the only room on the first floor of our parents' home, and. I'd heard a crazy noise that woke me up in the middle of the night and I put my head up against the, the window to try and hear it better. And it ended up hearing it like on the, on the, the tree line in our backyard, but it didn't sound quite the same. It was just different enough where I was like, mm. I don't know. I don't know if that's it. I don't know. But yeah. Well, yeah, hey, you know,
0: we have yeah. the internet these days. You could Google it. Yeah. Just see now
1: do you supposed... have you had...
0: a paranormal experience?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Yeah. I feel like I feel like if you're asking questions, it's because you have these these same experiences.
0: Yeah. I, you know what? I'm I'm very interested in the paranormal. I do ask this question to most people. Um, but I am yeah. also extremely skeptical, and I am like, I am not believing <laughs> everything I hear, type of thing. And mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm gonna go towards it like you do, but like I am gonna try to figure it out, and I'm most likely not gonna say it was paranormal. But um, yeah. Yeah, I've had stuff happen, um, and I've had, like, different... I haven't had, like, anything, like... I mean, I've had crazy stuff happen, but not, like, I didn't see a apparition or anything like that. Um, I've had other people tell me things that they shouldn't yeah. know about my life. Um, I had, actually, I had something kind of similar happen that happened to you. Um Yeah. You was... just made me
1: remember something. Don't let me forget. Okay. just made me remember something from when I was younger, but go ahead.
0: Go ahead. Tell <laughs> it then. If it's on your brain, go ahead. I'll tell you mine. Uh,
1: so when I was, um, so when I lived in California, uh, a, a friend of ours kind of like, you know, dabbled a little bit in what he thought was like i don't know i don't want to say like witchcraft but he had like hot topics that would sell like spell like he wasn't sure. all that kind of stuff yeah. and i i would, i don't believe in any of that level of stuff but he had gotten uh what was like a ouija board but it was a little different it was a square a huge square and he had this like round uh this round glass that you had to like do the ouija board stuff with mm-hmm. and we didn't use it for a long time i was always skeptical about using it um but I totally forgot about this until you just started talking about it. There was one time, it was the last time I ever used a Ouija board of any kind. So I had, so my my brother that's 10 years younger than I am was originally a twin and they were born really premature. And one of them uh, ultimately ended up dying. Uh, my dad had to go down and take them off life support. Um, but in middle school, late middle school, uh, high school, we decided to try this stupid board and my mom, who was always skeptical of it, was like, you guys shouldn't be playing with that stupid thing, you know? Correct. You guys are just, just going to freak each other out, like, whatever. She didn't think, I don't think she thought it was, like, anything actual paranormal. She just thought we were going to scare, scare each other and then have nightmares. So then we start playing around with this stupid thing, and then, uh, out of nowhere, you know, you ask, is there anybody there? And do you want to communicate? And, and who is this? And... uh ended up spelling out bobby which was the name of my deceased brother and i thought i immediately looked uh at the kid across me and thought about punching him in the mouth because i thought he was there kind of screw around with it i'm still not 100 certain it wasn't but like i immediately got enraged thinking like that's a really messed up thing to do mm. so then my mom sees it and like you know she's being more cool-headed about it this is you know my brother died I, didn't, I don't even know. It was like seven years before then. So it wasn't like fresh on anybody's mind. She, but um, she was like, all right, get out of here. And she starts asking. Uh, so we started like asking questions, like nondescript questions, like, are you here? Are you dead? All that sort of stuff. And I'm like getting angry at this point. And my mom was like, okay. Ask him where his birthmark was. And it was on his lower left butt cheek. And it literally spelled left bottom on the board and that is something that i didn't know none of the stupid kids who were there uh playing it would have known i don't know whether it was like a, a, a lucky guess or what it was but that scared the that scared the shit out of me i took my hands off and never touched one again after that did like you I, look
0: up at your mom for confirmation
1: yeah my mom was like mortified by it too yeah. because she was like wow yep but i think she she was still skeptical and like wondering if she had the conversation and maybe my sister heard it cause my sister was doing it. And, or well, one of the other kids, cause it was kids from her daycare, but if somebody had heard her say it, and that's still a possibility, like they may have understood and they may have overheard her talking about it with, with somebody or, or another parent or something like that. I still, I still go into it like mildly skeptical, but still, that was the, that was the one and only thing that that came out that was other, other than, uh, You know, hearing our buddy's name, which could have been someone hiding in a closet, just trying to scare us. But that one on the Ouija board or whatever it was called. Yeah, that one that one was one that that stuck with me for a very, very long time that I I have no explanation for.
0: Yeah. Ouija boards are don't use those. I know anyone listening. (laughs) Don't use a Ouija board. It's like a portal, like you're opening something up, like to be able to communicate through yourself that you're touching. Don't do that. I've, yeah. I used to do the Ouija board when I was younger in middle school with my friends, and I'll never forget those experiences either, because I asked a stupid question that I shouldn't have asked, and I'll never forget what the answer was, and now I'm, <laughs> like, I'm not scared, but I yeah. it was just a stupid question I shouldn't have asked. Um, yeah. So, I, when you, talking about your friend whispering, or the, the whisper yeah. that you heard in the house, um, when I was, like, in my early 20s, I was... I, w- I worked like all these random jobs. I was doing photography. I was doing uh, scorekeeping at hockey games late at night. I was helping my cousin's business with uh, graphic design, whatever. So I was doing all these things. So I'd often try to take a, a nap in the middle of the day. So I was, I was napping in the middle of the day, and but I was like in that, I'm asleep, but I'm still like aware of kind of what's going on. It's like that, like you're kind of in the middle there, and. All of a sudden, this woman's voice, like, I, it was in my head, but I, like, it woke me up enough because I thought, thought, like, someone, like, was in the room, like, talking to me. And she mm. was like, Liz, Kathy is calling. And I was like, and I woke up and I looked down and my phone started ringing and it was my cousin Kathy. And I was, and there was no rhyme or reason to the conversation. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, Kathy didn't call me with this like profound news. It was just, it was so weird. And then it happened to me again, Mm. but it wasn't with Kathy. It was, it was the same woman's voice and it was Liz wake up. Chris is calling. It was my f- and I woke up and my phone's and my my phone wasn't ringing when I woke up. As I woke yeah. up, and then I looked and my phone started ringing. It was my friend Chris Hall, and I was just like, "What?" So yeah, that that's is very strange. That happened to me. That was very strange. Um, and I've had some other stuff happen too, but um, yeah, it's yeah, crazy. Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> things, yeah. There's, I just, I'm curious. Um. Yeah. Okay. Tell everyone where they can find you. Cause I got to wrap this up because you didn't talk anything uh, yeah. about your other thing that you do that.
1: Ah, uh, yeah. So I, uh, uh, you know, I have my own little hobby podcast. We, we talk about, uh, sports it's called stats don't matter, uh, which is a funny thing. We get a lot of questions on and it's because it was born out of the debate between LeBron James and Michael Jordan, because, depending on what side you fall on, you'll completely ignore the stats from the other side. Like statistically, LeBron James is a better basketball player, but he plays in a different era where basketball is not the same. It, yeah, yeah, it yeah. A funny little play on the debate. Um, Big debate there. Yeah. So uh, in my own social media, I'm at Timmy underscore Cronin, or uh, you can find the podcast at Stats Don't Matter. We try to do a local beer. Or whiskey uh, at the start of every podcast, just to kind of give everybody something to look forward to um, or something to look for at the at their local shops. But it's fun. fun. Um, It's all been a passion project. We run no advertisements. We run no no marketing. It's a little bit of a gray line between where I work and running a sports podcast. We're trying to fly under the radar. So yeah, 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 yeah.
0: yeah. I was gonna say, how does that
1: work? (laughs) Yeah. So we had a you know. If if anybody wants to jump on and start listening, some of our earlier podcasts, uh, we had some folks who were eager to jump on and, and help us out. So we have a couple with Tim Kirchin, Adam Schefter, and, and Chris Cody. They're still in our infancy, so it's not our best work, but there's still some interesting conversations there, but yeah, um, fo- football season's our big bread and butter. And starting tonight, Thursday, first football game. First football oh, yeah. game. On, first football uh, the game.
0: I am interviewing an NFL player tomorrow are you i am nico Lelos.
1: nice good for him good for you yeah so. I, mean, uh, I hear there are good things coming for this podcast i'm excited to uh hey
0: we're all so. human everyone has good things right like yeah. so thank you yeah. for saying that but <laughs> i'll i'm happy yeah. to have tim cronin or lebron james who cares like
1: all right you yeah. both put I'll your see, pants on the same way right that's right. I'll see uh, I'll see if I can help uh, connect some dots for you. Sounds like you don't need my help. You already got uh, some, some pretty fancy people coming.
0: Well, than what I, can, I just want to see what these fancy people are up to because I feel like they don't get to... My theory on famous people is that, again, they're just human. They're just like us. They have their issues. They have their yep. monsters in their closet. They have all the things that I feel they don't really talk about because people don't care because they're so quick to be like, Okay, so if you are Teddy Bruschi, they're like, "Oh, Todd, what was your favorite part about being on the Patriots?" Oh, "Have you ever met Tom Brady?" Or it, it, yeah. who cares? Like, yeah. and they get the questions all the time, right? So, my thing is I just want to dig deeper and be like, "Hey, no, who are you?" Because I see you for who like for who you aren't. Like, tell me yeah. something I don't know. Right. Um So, anyway. That's I love it. I love
1: show. it. But, Good for you.
0: Okay, let's uh, make it a point to see each other in human flesh form. <laughs> that sounded so bad. Let's make a point to see each other in person. Deal. Um, I'd Deal. love to try some whiskey. Quagmi- all I
1: heard was quagmire in the back of quagmire. my head. Quagmire. <laughs>
0: um, giggity, giggity, giggity. giggity, giggity, I would love to test some whiskey, do, do a whiskey tasting. Yeah. I'm all about that too.
1: Deal. So. All right, sounds good. All right, I'm, thanks, uh, Tim. I'm always around and close by. So Yes,
0: you are. You are close by cool all right thanks Thanks for having me we'll see you soon
1: see
0: ya so that's a wrap for episode six we're halfway through the season which brings me to the point of well I don't know if I'm gonna have 12 episodes I might just keep going I would love to just keep going so we'll leave it at that remember when I talked about goals in the beginning see these are just small goals and we'll see where it goes that's okay Anyway, thanks so much to Tim and thanks so much to everyone out there listening. And if you're liking the show, please make sure to go over to the platform that you're listening to this on and leave a rating and review. It really helps. Have a great week, everyone. We'll see you next time.